Hello, may I welcome you to episode 38 of Moving Matters. I am your host, Colin Wynn. I hope Moving Matters will give you an insight to others working or have worked in this wonderful industry as I delve into their past, their present and their future. You will find a new episode of Moving Matters on the second and fourth Thursday of each month. In this episode, we discover that my guest began her career in the industry in 1998 as a telesales girl before a phenomenal career progression. We discuss her challenges, what she would change from her moving past, her high points, what changes she would make to the industry, the advice she would give herself starting out again, her predictions for the next five years, that she is the Transport and Logistics Businesswoman of the Year 2021, and what she does outside of the workplace. And as always, we end with a funny moving story. My guest this episode is Rachel Houghton, Managing Director of Business Moves Group. Enjoy. Good afternoon, Rachel. How are you today? Hi, Colin. I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Welcome to Moving Matters. Can you tell everybody about yourself and your length of time within the industry? Sure. So I'm Rachel Houghton. I'm the Managing Director of Business Moves Group and I joined BMG, as we call it, in 1998. So long, long career in the moving industry and I think I've done every role in the, the commercial moving sector that you could imagine in that time. What, driving a truck? Oh, uh, transit. <laughs> they won't let me in the big ones. Ah, I like it. So how did you get started in the industry? Okay, so I I will tell you a little story later about how I really got started in the industry. But how I got started at Business Moves was I joined as the telesales girl in the Birmingham branch, Business Moves Limited as we were then. And um, I've always been quite chopsy, you know, not afraid to say what I think and I'd be winning these appointments for the salespeople to go out and do, and then I'd be really interested in how they went. And the guys would say, I'm not answering to you, you jumped up secretary. So I started going out on the moves with them and thought, Nice. If I can understand what it is that they do and the challenges they have, and that's really how my career then took off because I was able to understand what the guys out on the road were going through and really understand panics and the confusion that the clients were going through. So that's how it all started for me. So can you tell everybody about your company and the services it offers? Yeah, of course. So we do what it says on the can, we move businesses. And when I first started, you know, that was a lot of moving desktop IT, desks with um, you know, the fixed screens, the old shin ops type furniture, moves were big and everybody had sort of eight linear meters of filing. But as obviously the years and technology progressed, the actual physical element of a move gets smaller and smaller and smaller. The IT gets smaller, but more technical. So we now not only do the, the movement, but we do the planning, the management, the change management, understanding what the goals and ambitions are of the company, and then making sure that the move plan and the new space that they're going to is fit for purpose. We have IT engineers who are able to look after all of the IT, and then we have a furniture management team 
who are looking after the furniture assets and whether that's reuse within their own estate and making sure they're getting the best possible life cycle out of their assets in their own environment or if it really has come to the natural end of its life cycle with them then either looking at resale programs, donation programs or last resort recycling programs and that's a part of our business that is probably the biggest growth area right now is that furniture management piece. It's really exciting. We're getting to make a lot of schools and colleges and other charities um, really happy and of course it sits in line with the social and environmental responsibilities of our clients as well. Then the other side of our business is the technical distribution side which is where we install and decommission ATM machines from banks or we're putting in medical equipment into hospitals or gaming machines into we call them bookies in Birmingham. I'm not sure what the actual name is, but putting them into gaming shops and so on. So that's the other side of our business is the technical distribution side. So when you say gaming machines, these are like fruit machines? Yeah, the, the fruit machines or they're the um, yeah. machines where you can put the automated bets on and yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. Not that I go into betting shops. Me either. Only if I'm installing a machine, of course. I'm, I'm bad enough when I go to Vegas. I'm the worst person to go to Vegas because I just don't gamble. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. So how many vans do you run and how, what, what's your size of crew? How many people do you employ? So we employ about 200 people. And wow. We also have an amazing supply chain who work with us, all of our supply partners, which enables us to flex our workforce when, for busier times and quieter times. We have a fleet of 63 commercial vehicles at the moment and we have another couple on order that will come in the next 12 months or so as long as there's chips available yes (laughs) (laughs) that's a fair size number of of vehicles and crew Mm. and you operate nationwide yeah we're all over the uk so the the 200 staff i mentioned is crew and office staff yeah there's a split there but yes, we're in Glasgow, Leeds, Wigan, Birmingham, Reading, and London. But we cover the whole of the UK. And how is the world of commercial relocations these days? Evolving, but that's nothing new. The world of commercial office moving has always been evolving. As I sort of mentioned earlier, what we move and how we move it has continually changed. Our teams have had to be continually upskilled to accommodate those changes, different furniture products, different IT services, different needs. You know, we wouldn't have looked at space planning 10 years ago, but now that's something we offer when it's, when it's needed. Change management in the world that we lived in didn't really exist 10 years ago, but it's a real need right now. So it's evolving, and over the last two years, it's been challenging. Yeah, I don't think anybody in the commercial moving sector would say it hasn't been a challenge, not just because all of the offices are empty, but because there are labour issues, there's driver shortage, you have people with COVID, self-isolating, you have different rules and regulations in different environments that you're working in. So it has been challenging, but it's also been really, really eye-opening and 
probably the proudest two years of my career so far have been the last two years because when you see that commitment and loyalty and hard work and agility to just change in your team it really is a moment of pride to see that you know going through tough times everybody's a bit nervous about what the future may hold but everyone gives 100 percent. it's quite a phenomenal thing to, to see how do you get that through to your staff by talking to them and actually being really real you know they've known me from when i was the telesales girl in birmingham not taking any nonsense off anybody <laughs> but also you know when the lift breaks down i was quite happy to put a crate on my shoulder and get up the stairs with it so there's trust and we are very much a company that talks to everybody and values everybody's opinion so I think it was just that it wasn't even this big thing it was just another day at the office you know these are the challenges we're facing how we're going to get past this what can we do how do we work together and that's just BMG it's a company where everybody pulls together and when people join the team who don't pull together tell you now those removal men don't like it and will out them. They only want people working with them who are going to pull their weight and be committed. So it's a really nice place to be when you've got such a committed team. Super stuff. How has the cloud helped you? Are servers being decommissioned and being replaced with the cloud and therefore giving you less IT infrastructure to move? Um, certainly physically, there's less stuff hmm. to move. But that sits in parallel with how vital it is that scheduling is spot on. Because it's one thing to have a server stuck on the M4. (laughs) It's quite another thing entirely to lose connection to the cloud and lose all of your data. So we've worked quite hard to make sure that that security from our clients is there. We invested in GPS flight cases, so even the smallest microchip or the biggest server unit can be tracked independently of the vehicle there's all these combination locks and everything to go into them so whilst physically the machines aren't as big the planning and the management and the security that goes into it is far greater than it perhaps was even five years ago or ten years ago definitely sounds like it sounds Mm. a nightmare to organize Yeah, well, I guess it would be if you just rocked up tomorrow going, we've got this to do. But because we've been planning and managing and understanding the trends of our clients all the way through, that's something I'm quite passionate about is understanding the trends of the client so that we're developing those services and providing the solutions before people really know that they might be facing a problem, the solution's there. So yes, if we were just rocking up to this whole new thing, it would be a bit scary, but we do tend to plan and track where things are going so that the services can be there, ready to take off the shelf, so to speak, when they're needed. Amazing. So what challenges have you had to overcome? Oh, what, in the 23 years I've been doing this? Apart from the banking crisis... Brexit and COVID, incidentally, the banking crisis happened two weeks 
after I was made managing director. So that was a baptism of fire. Um, <laughs> then we had obviously Brexit and the, the, the referendum and all of that. So they did present challenges because, of course, people making commercial decisions were waiting on government decisions yeah. to be made. But apart from those sort of really global or national things, not really, not really. I mean, I've been so lucky. I am so blessed. I work with Simon Darvall, the chairman. He's my biggest cheerleader. He's never been afraid to take risks and to say, yep, go for it. So I've always felt really empowered to change the shape of the company, to invest in people in the business and treat people really the way I was treated, invest in people, take their ideas. So I haven't really had that many challenges. Of course, being a young woman in the male industry was different. Uh, You know, it was a bit of an anomaly, but I don't really think that created too many problems for me. I've always been big enough and brave enough to tell people that's not okay. So overall, I just think I've worked hard and the harder I've worked, the luckier I've got. So not really any major challenges in that sense. And interestingly, that leads me on to my next question, which is how have you found life in a predominantly male-dominated industry? Well, let me just say, before I joined Business Moves in a male-dominated industry, I was a nursery nurse, which was very female-dominated. And I would far rather be working in a male-dominated industry (laughs) than being a nursery nurse. Actually, being a nursery nurse is one of the reasons I got the job at Business Moves. When I was asked at the interview, what makes you think you'll be any good at telesales? You're a nursery nurse. I said, well... My job at the nursery was the baby unit and I was able to work out what people who can't talk just scream at you all day and point (laughs) at things really want. So I think being able to have a conversation with people on the telephone will put me in quite good stead of understanding what they need. That was the line that got me the job. (laughs) So I think it has got its challenges working in a male-dominated environment. And I am very blessed. I know that there are women working in male-dominated environments that haven't had the opportunities to be as empowered as I have. Mm. But overall, I think that hasn't been a challenge. I think, if anything, being a bit different. You know, when you turn up at 25 with your steel toe cap boots on and your hard hat and your long hair and you start measuring up the internals of lifts, clients are like, they remember you because you're different. Yeah. You, yeah. You're different to the guys that have come in. So I think probably overall in balance, it's probably been to my benefit. Getting stuck in yeah. has definitely helped. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So if you could change anything from your moving past, what would it be? Um, hmm. I don't think on balance that I would change too much. I've learned a hell of a lot over the years. I've learned how to be a manager and not have to be aggressive or 
cold or harsh to get my point across. And in those early years, I was very young in quite a senior role. And I probably could have been, could have had more skills in how to deal with people. But that was the only way I knew to lead at that point. I didn't have the maturity. So if I could go back and give myself, my younger self, some maturity in how to deal with people, then I would. But you, you know, that's the joy of being in an organisation for a long period of time. You really learn and you, you develop those skills. But yeah, I guess that's really it. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed working hard. I've enjoyed being out on the vans with the guys. I enjoy seeing clients. I enjoy learning. And I've had a great time of it. So why change any of it? Please tell me you're not out with the lads on the vans now. No. No, I'm not. But I would. I would if they'd let me. You give that impression that you would, at the drop of a hat, you would go out there and put on a hard hat, a fluorescent jacket, and, and get stuck in. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when, when the smelly stuff hits the fan, you yep. do whatever it takes to get the job done. So there are times when I'm on sites, but the reason I don't do it now, one, is time. But when I used to go out with the guys, I was on a similar level. I was learning the job. Yeah. And now when I go, there's almost a, oh, God, got to be on our best behavior. And actually, there's nothing more joyful to me than watching this, like, synchronized swimming thing going on where the moves are happening. But I want them to be natural. I want them to be themselves. And it's very respectful that they, you know, best behavior, Rachel's here and... But yeah. you lose that personality a little bit because they think I'm there to watch rather than help. So it's best to let them. And you them. don't want them to be afraid of you either, do you? No, no, and I don't think there's any sort of fear as in, oh, my gosh, she's going to go nuts. But <laughs> just that they want to give the best impression. But that sometimes means that they lose a little bit of their personality by trying too hard, really, I guess. So what is your high point of being in the industry? So many high points. Let's go for it then, Rachel. Let's go for it. So those initial five years when I joined as telesales and I was learning the business and, you know, then it was all these promotions because people just started to trust that Rachel would get the job done. She'll do it. So I loved that. That was an amazing high point and I'm, you know, in my early 20s or mid-20s. My career progression was phenomenal, but without a huge amount of risk. You know, like today when I'm making decisions, that's all I'm here, right? It's all on my shoulders. Yeah. I've restructured the business twice. Both of those restructures, incredibly rewarding. But really the high points are when you look at somebody in your team and say, this person has something them and you mentor them and you bring them through and they start going through that same process you went through those years ago and they start developing their careers and they start bringing the magic to the table that's that's the best feeling nice i like that i like that a lot <laughs> what one thing would you change within the moving industry i'm going to give you a magic wand now rachel Less so about the moving industry and more so about the perception. 
of the moving industry. These teams may not have huge qualifications, they may not always be the most articulate, but they are absolute professionals at what they do and they really, really care. And there is nothing more hurtful when a team have gone out of their way to create a, a move process that leaves the client feeling stress-free. You know, they, they've really gone out of their way to make this amazing. And when there's something that's gone missing or isn't quite right, and we're very lucky we don't get very much of this, certainly not in recent years, but there's always sort of this perception, oh, well, the moving teams were in. Better notify them that it's been stolen or the cleaners were in. And it's that perception that I would really like and work hard to change. So, yeah, I, I think that's it. The moving industry itself, I think, is an industry to be really, really proud of. Just look at not just my business, all of the businesses in the moving industry over the last two years, whether they're domestic movers who've had to deal with a huge demand issue with the stamp duty, you know, hopefully, or had a great couple of years in the domestic movement market. They've had to adapt to that really, really quickly, dealing with people's emotions. And I think the moving industry is an industry that we should all be really proud to be a part of. And they have a skill that the general public don't realise they yes. have. Mm. So what advice would you give to yourself just starting out in the industry again? Get some comfy shoes. Because <laughs> in those first few years when you're out there doing surveys, walking around sites, Comfy shoes are a must, and actually that was a piece of advice that was given to me when I started. Change your shoes. Those aren't going to make it. Steel toe cap stilettos don't work. Don't work. <laughs> don't work. So yeah, definitely comfy shoes. And on a more serious note, don't just learn the moving industry. Learn your client's industry. Understand real estate. Understand the trends and changes of what your customers are doing because that's what really makes you a sustainable business for the long term. Where do you see yourself and the industry in the next five years? I think that moving will continue to get smaller, as in physically. Yep. Things are going to continue to get smaller. I think the need for big fleet for removals will be less of a requirement. The industry absolutely needs to do more to be sustainable, environmentally friendly, more electric vehicles, more emphasis on how do we change this space to make it work rather than completely moving. So I think the industry will have to move into a much more Workspace culture, really understanding what the clients are going to be doing. We're going to have to be greener. And we may well have to start investing in some more technology. Having said all of that, 23 years and we've seen trends come 
we've seen trends go. In two years' time, we could be building cell offices for everybody and putting everybody back into cell offices and meeting rooms, if that's the way that trends change and people want to come back to the office. So I think overall, the moving industry and me personally and my business would just need to be agile and adapt to whatever the workspaces of the future are going to look like and how they're going to behave. So where do you see yourself in five years? Oh, very much still here. Very much still leading the business, bringing people up through the ranks, creating the next generation. You know, I'm, I'm 45. Most of the board are 40 to 60. So we have a, a middle management team who are anywhere between sort of 25 and 40. Right. But we, if we want this business to be sustainable, those guys that are joining us from school today are, are the next directors, the next managers. So I very much see myself still here, but really making sure that we continue to evolve the team and giving them opportunities. How do you go about recruiting your staff? <laughs> really, it will sound really strange because we're not a family business. But we have more families in our business than anything. We have grandfathers, fathers and grandchildren, the same family working in the business. We have brothers and sisters and uncles and aunties. Is that then in the office or out on the on, the, on the actual? Yeah. Both. And we yeah. do um, we do a little bit of work with local schools so that people get to come and understand what working in a removal business looks and feels like on work experience we do some sort of holiday jobs in colleges where people who are perhaps studying IT services will come join us for the summer break and get trained up on how to do the IT decom and recom and then they may keep coming back but mostly it's a bit like how we attract clients it's word of mouth Hmm. we're not huge advertisers of roles and we're not huge advertisers of what we do. People want to work for us or work with us, which is a great place to be. I only ask that question because I've said several times on the podcast, you don't go to school to become a removal man. But there are so many different avenues you can take once you get into this industry. You, know, you can be a porter today, a lorry driver tomorrow. You can be a store manager. You could be a salesman the next. You could be office manager. You could be managing director. Yeah, absolutely right. And I think from my generation, we're very much taught you need a job for life. And I think that's changed now. People don't necessarily want to go and get a job for life. People don't want to be a bank clerk forever or a removal man forever. But joining a company where you can have a career for life is what's going to attract people, not just into the moving industry, but Mm. into construction industry and any of those built environment industries because there are just endless possibilities and having the right management team who can recognize I have an expression that you can't put in what God left out so I'm not interested in people's qualifications but if they've just got that right attitude and a willingness to learn then doors are wide open Where do I apply for a job? (laughs) (laughs) 
So can you tell our listeners about this recent award you have won and what it means to you and the business? Are you referring to the British Businesswoman Award or the company PFM Award? The Businesswoman Award. Okay. I don't really know what to say and I'm a little bit embarrassed, really. Why? There's always this thing about women in business and maybe I get a little bit scratchy about I don't want to be the best business woman. I want to just be really good at business or the best in business. Gender shouldn't yeah. really come into it. No, you're, so you are a little right. A little bit scratchy about that, but I also get that not every woman in business gets the same opportunities that, that I've had. So I was astounded when they read my name out. It was a virtual event, so nobody could see or hear me. Oh, no. Which is great, because I was sat on my sofa at home and, you know, oh, it doesn't matter, win or lose, you know. (laughs) And uh, actually, when they read my name out, it turns out it did matter a lot, and I was quite emotional. I was like, wow. And obviously, it came at the end of all the lockdowns and things. Yeah which, as I mentioned earlier, was a huge, challenging time and had to make some really big decisions and restructure the business and all of that. So it really validated what I'd done. Because I didn't write the nomination. That was written by others. So I didn't really know why I'd won it. And I was up against some stiff competition as well in the logistics industry, some big sort of household names. So I definitely didn't think... That was coming my way. So I asked for feedback on why. And the reason they gave was how I managed, communicated and restructured the business during COVID. So having gone through all of that, which I did find exhilarating but emotional, was it meant even more then that actually it was a real thing. It was they've looked into what I've done. Um, yeah, very proud of it, but still a little bit coy about it. Oh, it's an amazing award to have won. Yeah. Who nominated you? Um, it was, I was nominated by another big cheerleader of mine, a lady called Jo, who is the managing director of Magenta Associates. Right. Jo and I worked together, or spent a lot of time in lockdown ranting to each other and letting off steam and really talking about the uh, the challenges that we were going through. So she really did yeah. fully understand what we'd been through. Uh, deserved award. What was the other award you mentioned? The other award was the PFM Relocation Partnership Award, which right. BMG won jointly with Aviva for our relationship there. Yep. Again, that felt really amazing because... The judges really got under the skin of the relationship. And the feedback that we got was that the relationship was genuinely really strong. And it wasn't just sort of a one-off project that went well. It yeah. was it was years of great partnership. So really proud of that too, especially for the team that run the Aviva account because they really have gone native. They love it. So what's your views on accreditations? I take it you have quite a few as a business? We do. I am 
very, very lucky to have a lady called Linda Wheatley, who is our Director of Compliance, who handles all of our governance. Right. And her and I spend a lot of time together talking about what we want to achieve and then making sure that we have the right accreditations in place to achieve them. And then Linda has a team of about five people working for her across the country to make sure that we're compliant. We wouldn't be the business that we are without Linda and her team keeping us all safe and in line. Amazing. So what do you do outside of the industry to switch off? Not that I'm getting the impression that you ever switch off. Yeah, I don't really ever switch off. I'm always thinking, but I love to be down by the sea. So lots of coastal walks. I like cycling. I like having a glass of wine too. But mostly if I'm outdoors and getting some fresh air, that's relaxation for me. But you just don't switch off. Well, you know, you get inspiration from everywhere. Yeah. You overhear a conversation on the tube or you're out walking and your mind wonders and then you solve your problems and things. So it's not that I'd say I'm never switched off. I'm not always hyper. Yeah. But you just let the universe tell you, give you inspiration. And so, yeah, I'm always always listening and looking around but it's not specifically for work it's just just absorb what's going on and think about Mm. solutions later and finally i like to end my podcasts with a funny moving story do you have one or more to tell do you know the questions that you'd sort of give me the heads up on this one caused me the most stress I've been phoning around the team going, can you remember anything funny? (laughs) So right at the beginning of this podcast, I mentioned that my start in the industry wasn't at Business Moves. So it's not really a moving story, but I thought it was quite apt for this. I first started in the industry in a domestic moving company in the West Midlands. I lasted two days. I got the sack. I was you got the sack? It. Yeah. I, oh I typed a letter for one of the directors and made a spelling mistake. So That's not a sackable offence, is it? Yeah, I'd only been there two days. So I got sacked. I drove off. I drove over the foot of one of the men at the company by accident as I was driving <laughs> off and was told that I would never make it in the moving industry. And for anybody who knows me, if you tell me I can't do something... I probably will. So that's a couple of days at, um, I won't say the name of the company, maybe the reason that I'm here doing what I'm doing because they said I'd never make it in the moving industry. (laughs) So apart from that, and the fact that we are regularly accosted by the police as business moves while we're out on site. Really? Yeah. So when we're moving ATMs, Oh. The general public always think that it's just a gang of men who've turned up to do a oh, ram raid. You're not turning up with diggers, are you? <laughs> well, sometimes we do have to dig them out and um, the public don't always know. So if you see BMG <laughs> vans surrounded by police cars and blue lights, we're not stealing <laughs> the ATM. We have absolute permission to be there. But that does oh. happen fairly frequently. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> that is absolutely brilliant. 
Absolutely brilliant. Rachel, thank you very much for giving up your time this afternoon to record an episode of Moving Matters with me. I appreciate your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. I sincerely hope you enjoyed episode 38 of Moving Matters. Please rate, review and subscribe in your favourite podcast player of choice and please tell your industry colleagues about Moving Matters. My thanks and appreciation go to Rachel Houghton of Business Moves Group for giving up her time to record this episode. Thank you again, Rachel. If you would like to know more about Business Moves Groups and the services they provide, then you will find links within the show notes for this episode and on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. And please, if you have a funny moving story that can be relayed to our listeners or you would like to be a guest on the podcast, then do reach out to me by completing the contact form on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. Well, that is all from me. So until next time, keep moving. <laughs>